I, I read a funny story earlier this week that I wanted to share this morning. And high school students, as you're listening, I'd, I'd recommend that you take this as a, a little bit of a cautionary tale. The story goes that there were four high school boys, and they were all seniors who were just weeks away from graduating. The end was in sight, and they were all struck with a really nasty bout of senioritis. The Friday morning came that was just beautiful. It was sunny, it was warm, it wasn't too windy out, it was perfect weather for fishing. And so these four students skipped their morning classes, and they fished for a while, and they snuck back into the school around lunchtime to just coast into the weekend that afternoon. Now, they were students at a, at a pretty small school in the country, and so their absence was pretty keenly noticed by their teachers. And as they sat down in, in their seats after lunch, excuse me, their teacher asked why they had missed their morning classes, and without missing a beat, the driver of the car for the four friends started spinning this drawn-out tale of a, a flat tire and a spare that was also flat and cell phones that were dead and on and on. And so this teacher just patiently listened. And as the story wrapped up, assured them that, uh, that he was glad that they had made it back to school after all and even offered to let them take a makeup quiz for the quiz that they had missed that morning, just so they wouldn't fall behind. And with a, a slight smile, as the students got out papers and pencils, the teacher waited until those students were ready and then said, first question, which tire on the car was flat? <laughs> now friends, there's, there's a, a lot of reasons to lie. In, in this story, it's pretty simple. The students are trying to avoid getting in trouble. But people also lie to avoid embarrassment. We lie to make ourselves look good. We even lie sometimes to make others look bad or to get other people in trouble. And there are a lot of different kinds of lying. There's exaggeration and slander. There's lying by omission that we'll talk about in a bit. Deception and the controversial little white lie in case you haven't picked up on it, this morning we are focusing on lying. We're focusing on not telling the truth. So before we get any further, let's turn to our, our main scripture passage this morning. It's short and sweet at only one verse, but it gives us a tremendous amount to consider. So our, our main verse is Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. This is the ninth of the Ten Commandments, and it simply says... You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Pretty short, so let's read it again. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, depending on how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, or even which translation of the Bible you've read, you may have heard the ninth commandment simply rendered as, Thou shalt not lie. And while this is certainly a, a rather archaic way of translating this commandment, it is a, it's a valid translation, but there are some important specifics that are missing from that more accurate translation of you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So the first thing we need to look at this morning is that short phrase, false testimony. Now, if this sounds a little bit more legal than simply saying, you shall not lie, 
I'd absolutely agree with you. But this is an, actually an important aspect of this commandment, this false testimony. We need to remember that the Ten Commandments were given to Moses approximately 3,500 years ago, give or take, which means there was no such thing as DNA or fingerprinting or security video. There wasn't really a, a formal police force to investigate crimes. So when it came down to determining if someone had committed a crime, it was all about the witnesses. And this made the honesty of witnesses just absolutely crucial. Just three chapters later, in Exodus chapter 23, we get this same warning from the commandment, but with greater clarity and greater detail. Verses 1 through 3 offer these commands. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd and do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. So being a, a false witness can take many of these forms. It's giving false reports, being malicious, that is being intentionally spiteful, just going along with what others in the crowd are saying even when you know it's not true. Even something that might be viewed as, as compassionate, such as being a little extra lenient with those who may have hit hard times, that's still prohibited on the grounds of favoritism. And a few verses later, in verses 6 through 8, it says this, Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge, and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the innocent. So false witnesses can be those who accept bribes and who twist words. And just as we're instructed not to show favoritism to the poor, we're also called not to be dismissive of the poor either. And then there's that phrase, and do not put an innocent or honest person to death. God's word is so concerned with this notion of justice and preventing an innocent person from being punished or put to death that we have this further requirement in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, which says, one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So, if it's not enough to find this punishment for a false witness, uh, we find this just a, a few verses later as well, that judges must make a thorough investigation. And if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against a fellow Israelite, then due to the false witness, as that witness intended to do to the other party, you must purge the evil from among you. So that's right, it's, it's not just one witness, it must be two or three, and if a witness is found to be giving false testimony, they receive whatever that punishment is that they were accusing, that would have resulted in the accused party receiving. So if a witness lied and they accused someone of something that the, the judgment would be putting them to death, that witness instead would be put to death. Pretty serious stuff, 
but it needed to be. God's insistence on honesty for the Israelites wasn't, it wasn't just a, a rule for the sake of rules, and it wasn't even honest, honesty just for the sake of personal holiness. That was certainly one aspect of it. But the largest impact of not giving false witness was on the community. Remember that the Israelites had just left slavery in Egypt, and it had been 430 years since they had been a free, distinct people. So establishing the system of justice that met God's standards was so critical at this time. The community comprised of God's people needed to be one of justice and honesty. And what undergirds this drive for God's justice is God's love and his desire for his love to be reflected by his people. This is where we see such a, a clear connection to the New Testament. Remember that Jesus offered this summary of God's law in Matthew chapter 22. We read that one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, that is Jesus, with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Did you catch that? All of the law, including this commandment not to bear false witness, not to lie, hangs on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is just as true for us today as God's people today as it was for the Israelites. We are to love God and his perfect justice and holiness, and we are to love others as ourselves, which means we must be truthful in our dealings with others. Paul offers this clear summary in Romans chapter 13. It says, the, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. As Christians today, we have even more motivation to be truthful as we seek to be like Christ. Paul says this about the new life that we have in Christ in Colossians chapter 3. He writes, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This new self is the new life that we have in Christ. And Christ said this about himself in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. Christ is the truth. And if we are earnestly seeking to be in Christ, to grow in Christ's likeness, we are called to the truth. 
Now, as I noted a, a few minutes ago, there are many kinds of lying. There are many ways of not being in the truth, of not being in Christ. And lying isn't just confined to the courtroom and legal proceedings. Among the many laws listed in Leviticus chapter 19, we see these particular prohibitions on different forms of lying. Verse 11, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Verse 12, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Verse 16, do not go about spreading slander among your people. And verse 17, rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. In other words, if, if someone is in the wrong, firmly but kindly, tell them so. Don't gossip about it, don't slander about it, don't embellish the story to others and therefore commit a, a sin yourself. Offer that constructive correction because that's how we love our neighbors with the truth. Now this morning as we, we begin to, to wrap things up, there's one more kind of lying that we need to talk about. That's lying by omission. Lying by omission. These are, are those lies that we tell by not saying anything at all or by allowing others to believe that we did something that we didn't actually do. Now, Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1 describes lying by omission like this. If anyone sins because they do not speak up when they hear a public charge to testify regarding something they have seen or learned about, they will be held responsible. So again, we see more of that legal context to this verse, but as we've observed with this idea of bearing false witness, the wisdom here is not confined just to the courtroom. Lying by omission can cause damage with family, with friends, in the workplace, even in the church. I want you to think about the huge scandal in the Catholic Church that probably started about 15, 20 years ago, at least that's when it came to light, with priests who preyed upon children and sexually abused them. The horrible sins of what those priests did was compounded by the fact that Catholic Church leaders knew about it, they knew what those men did, and they said nothing to anyone who mattered. They kept quiet to law enforcement. That is lying by omission at its worst. The result was that for years more children were victimized and it was even more years before things began to come to light and those victims could actually receive proper help and support. It was years. Now lying by omission isn't always this severe. But I think this illustrates the, the lesson learned that oftentimes it's lying by omission that multiplies the sin, that brings us into the sin, it grows the damage and the hurt in situations that might already be bad. Lying by omission, it's this failing to speak up when you know you should isn't showing love to our neighbors. And so this, like all lies, is not being Christ-like. It's not seeking the flourishing and the blessing 
of others. Friends, God calls each of us not to lie, but to be honest and truthful and loving with one another. We're called to show Christ-like love for each other by not giving false witness, by not deceiving each other, by not exaggerating in the things that we say, by not telling white lies, thinking we're doing it for the good of others, by not lying, by saying or doing things as we know we should. Now, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas are, are just around the corner. I think we're two weeks, maybe a little less away from Thanksgiving. And while these, these holidays can be a, a, a lot of fun and it's a great opportunity to spend time with family and with friends, sometimes we encounter situations that might test us a, a little bit. Perhaps it's extended family with a habit of bragging, and that bragging kind of prompts us to exaggerate about what's going well in our own lives. Maybe it's an untrue excuse to, to leave a family gathering early or just skip it altogether. Maybe it's a, a bit of family drama that gets rehashed and embellished and made worse every time it gets brought up. Friends, every day there are opportunities to lie, and the holiday season is certainly no exception. Now, sometimes those lies even seem like the easy way of dealing with the situation. The devil has been tricking people with exactly that lie since Adam and Eve, saying this is the easy way of doing things. This will make things better. We're tempted to lie for a, a thousand different things. But God calls us to obedience to him. He calls us to loving others by telling the truth. So if our, our focus is truly on being thankful to God this Thanksgiving, and if our gaze is fixed on Christ this Christmas, then we're called to be truthful and loving. We're called to be like Christ in the things we say to each other. And so with that, let's, let's turn to God in prayer now, asking for the strength and the courage and the integrity to be honest in all areas of our lives and in all of our interactions with each other. Please join me. Lord God, we, we praise you this morning. We, we sang earlier that you are unchanging, and we know that you are also unchanging in your perfection. You are unchanging in the fact that you, Lord, are the truth. You are the truth that we are called to share with the world. We know that we are not unchanging, that sometimes we're, we're fickle and, and our hearts lead us in, into sin, Lord. And so we pray that for those times when we have been dishonest with each other, with ourselves, we pray for your forgiveness, Lord. As we head into this holiday season and we find the, the joys, but sometimes maybe also the, the challenges of gathering together with, with family and friends, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would draw us closer to yourself, that you would mold us more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in doing so that we would grow in truth and in love. We know you, Lord, and we, we trust that you know us so completely that you know exactly those areas that we need to work on in our lives. And, and for many of us, Telling the truth may be one of those areas. 
And so we pray for strength, for courage, for integrity, to speak the truth in those times even when it might be easier to lie or telling the truth might get us in trouble, Lord. Continue to walk with us and help us to grow in truth and in love to be more and more like Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.